The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Did you know it's a dangerous thing to say no to God, to say no to wisdom? Um, We're in Proverbs chapter 9 today, and I want you to know that you will notice something. Earlier, when Solomon was writing about people hearing the words of wisdom, he would say to the scoffers, the foolish, and the simple. But when he gets to chapter 9, he drops the scoffers and the foolish and only addresses the simple. So let me just encourage you, say yes to God today. Let him be Lord. With that, this is Bertie and Alex coming to you this week with Proverbs 9, 10, 11, and 12. We're looking forward to that. And then on Friday, we'll do Fireway Friday again. But today, Alex, we're in Proverbs 9. It's a shorter uh, chapter, but it still has a lot of, It really, it compares wisdom and folly, doesn't it? Well, it really does, and like you said, it's so important to respond to truth when the Lord reveals it, because, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about our heart getting hardened, and in the New Testament, it even talks about our conscience being seared, and that that's why we really can't take it for granted. You know, Bert, when, when the truths are revealed to us that we need to get saved, we need to make sure that we have a relationship with the Lord, or even as a born-again believer, um, I I think we all know what it is when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, uh, whether it be to, you know, uh, apologize or, or make right with somebody. You know, in um, 2 Corinthians 5.19, uh, it says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Let me say this before we get into Proverbs 9. I love how 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And Bert, the time to respond to the Lord is the minute that you feel him calling. Am I right You about are that? exactly right. I just want to tell you, uh, I think the Bible points that he's going to speak to some everybody some way through conscience and uh, creation and through Christ, and I do believe that. And when God draws you, you want to respond. It's, it's better for everyone. And so mm-hmm. that's wisdom. Well, with that in mind, let me read verse 1 of chapter 9 of, of uh, Proverbs. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Now, w- notice what uh, Solomon does in literary form. He refers to wisdom as a woman. And when you get over to verse 13, it's going to be foolishness of women like a harlot, but it's also it's it's kind of a word picture. Uh, it's folly for a man to go into that woman. It's folly for you to take up foolishness. It's folly for you to to go the way of your own, and you want to go the way of God. So wisdom. Let me just say this. I've been trying to find out a way to say it, Alex, and I'm going to run it by you. Wisdom is the ways of God. Would you find any oh, fault with that comment? I, I think you're right. You're right. And let me say information is different than wisdom. Look, there's a lot of data and facts and even intelligence, and all these things can be important, but wisdom is really to see life from God's perspective. And uh, 
you know, from from the encyclopedia or the internet, you might get facts, but from the Lord and his word, you get wisdom. I just got to ask you a question. Do they still print encyclopedias? <laughs> Do you know what? I remember this is, I'm going to say probably six or eight years ago, I believe it was uh, Encyclopedia Britannica that printed their last, you know, hard copy because yeah. everything is so much online. Yeah. But I, I, I'm old school. I still get books and go to the library, Bert. I, well, I, love I to do read too. Books. I, Jan and I, uh, we, we got a certain set of encyclopedias and uh, we were looking at what you could do with old encyclopedias, make shelves, do different things. I said, not, not mine. The, I know we have the internet, but the internet just doesn't look as good on the shelf as a set of encyclopedias. So well, anyway, you know, but I couldn't help but think that the world has changed, but the knowledge is out there in print and on the internet, but wisdom comes from God. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Ask Alex, uh, God still does it verses. the old-fashioned way, doesn't he? He gives it to us. He he really does. And do you know what was so interesting? Okay, verse 1 of Proverbs 9. Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. Now, what's interesting is those words built uh, means construction with a purpose. And hewn out is like uh, very similar to, you know, give, giving birth, like delivering a baby, right? All right. God, and, and obviously wisdom, the foundation of wisdom and truth, it's the Lord Jesus, right? Um, he is the creator. Colossians says that there was nothing made that he didn't make, and he not only made it, he sustains it, but he has hewn out these things in the world, and it, the language of Proverbs 9.1 kind of reminds me of the language of Matthew 16.18, where Christ said, I will build my church. Yeah. Now, now look at these these things that are listed. Wisdom, she hath killed her wild beast. She's mingled her wine. She's furnished her table. She has sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Now, uh, Bert, wisdom can yield things, and I know this is very pictorial, kind of Jewish, um, uh, you know, uh, pictorial language, but wisdom can preserve your life, wisdom can put food on your table, <laughs> wisdom can get you a table and a house to put it in, actually. Uh, wisdom can influence the lives of others. When uh, wisdom can influence the destiny of a nation, just like it's, it's interesting to me, Bert. Heraclitus was a famous philosopher from the city of Ephesus, lived about 400 BC, and Heraclitus, his core value was character determines destiny, and and he was all about morals. And, and by the time we, we get to the book of Acts, 400 years after the life of Heraclitus, remember there was a, a riot in Ephesus because they had forgotten morality and character. And they were at a time they were pagan. They needed the gospel. But wisdom yields things. And if we're wise, we'll turn ourselves to wisdom and the source of all wisdom, which is the Lord. Amen. Now, when you see that in verse 2 and verse 3, you see a banquet. It is set before them. The meat's ready, the wine, the mixture of the wine uh, is used, and I, I checked that out. It's usually the mixture, it's the mingling, 
and it was wine and mixed with water. The water was not the safest thing to drink in that day, and so the wine mixed in with it made the water palatable, and it made the wine where it would not intoxicate so quickly. So that was it. He also furnished her table. This is a banquet. I call it a banquet for those who want wisdom because in verse 4, it's an invitation. Whoever mm-hmm. is a simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mixed, and then forsake foolishness and live and go into the way of understanding. You've got to leave before you come. If you're foolish, uh, excuse me, simple, don't listen to the foolish. Don't listen to the scoffer. Look at it in verse 7 and 8. It talks about scoffers. And it talked about earlier about scoffers and fools and the simple coming. Notice this time it is for the simple because the foolish and the scoffers, they've kind of, they've given up. You you better not say no to God is all I'm saying. But one more thing, Mm -hmm. I'll throw it back to you. This is a banquet that God offers that he has provided. Wisdom has built their house. Wisdom has set these things before us. And again, you said it well. It's it's a picture of Jesus Christ at his banquet table of salvation. Amen. When we come to him, notice the privilege that the maidens had to go out and to invite them. Uh, this is so New Testament, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it's got so many pictures in the New Testament of this being Christ and sending out the message of Christ. And so we're sending out that message today here on Exploring the Word. And we're saying the Spirit says come. The Word of God says come. If Jesus Christ is calling, do not put him off. Respond today. Hey, by the way, if you need to respond, you can ask him to come into your life right where you are. But if you need someone to talk to right now personally, you can call our partners at 1-800-NEED-HIM, 1-800-NEED-HIM, and they're ready to lead you, help you to come to Christ. Alex, come to the banquet table. That's, that's the invitation, isn't it? Well, it really is. You know, salvation, among other things, you know, you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, the Spirit of God indwells. Salvation is many things, but salvation is an invitation to a banquet. Jesus is throwing a great supper. Uh, Revelation 19 talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And listen, the King of Kings is setting the table, and friend, you're invited. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Proverbs 9 here, you're right. It is talking about a banquet. Now, it, it goes on and it says kind of a change in verse 6, forsake the foolish and live. In other words, the foolish ways. Um. In the New Testament, Paul wrote about when I was a child, I thought like a child, but when I've grown up, I put away childish things. Proverbs here says, forsake that which is foolish and live, go in the way of understanding. Now, verse 7 and 8, it's kind of interesting. You know, you've heard the, the phrase, you know, don't throw your pearls before swine. Yeah. Bert, I don't like to give up on anybody. I, I kind of, I, I try to believe the best about everybody. But sometimes, unfortunately, there are people that just will not listen and will not learn. It says, he who reproves a scorner gets to himself shame, and he that rebukes a wicked man uh, gets himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Um, let's talk about seven and the first half of eight. Bert, in the ministry... 
sometimes, and it makes my heart heavy to say it, there are people that will not listen, and they just will not learn. You're exactly right. I've met them. You have. I've talked with them. I've I remember one man in particular, uh, he was in the hospital room and I went to him. He was dying. Uh, he, he, he knew it. And I asked him, would he come to Christ and under barely breathing? Not now. I'll wait. And, uh, it was oh two God. more days and he had died. And the more, the longer you say no, the greater danger you're in of hardening your heart and the scoffers, and you become that. And Alex, you don't want to do that. Hey, mm. this is Exploring the Word. Birdie and Alex with you. We're in Proverbs 9. And by the way, if you want to watch us when we come back, you can go to streaming.afa.net and join us as we continue in Proverbs chapter 9. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Mitt Romney, Senator from Utah. He is the former governor of Massachusetts as well as a former presidential candidate. Philippians 2.15 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. So that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Right now with this in mind, Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Senator Mitt Romney as he represents the people of Utah. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says that many of the world's problems aren't the result of what people are doing, but what Christians aren't doing. He'll explain today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Now, it doesn't take a genius to see that we are a nation in turmoil. Political turmoil, social turmoil, racial turmoil, gender turmoil, economic turmoil. We are in a hot mess. And when God describes it in 2 Chronicles 15, 3 to 6, he says, you're in a hot mess because I'm not in the vicinity. You're in a hot mess because I've been excluded from your lives, excluded from your schools, excluded from your churches even. I've been excluded from your families. I've been excluded and my presence is no longer being felt. Then that vacuum is filled by conflict and chaos. And so the challenge today is for Christians who are disciples of Jesus Christ to go public with their faith because you have taken a stand for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because guess what? You're his rep. You're his steward. You're his manager. And he told you to go and be salt and light to no longer be secret agent Christians, spiritual CIA representatives. If you were accused of being a follower of Jesus Christ, not a believer in God, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a follower of Jesus Christ. If you were accused of being a follower of Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found innocent of all charges? Because there's not enough Christianity around you to see it. Learn how to be more effective for the kingdom by using God's resources His way. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. 
Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world of Christ. May our lives speak the message. We are in Proverbs 9. The wonderful, wonderful book of Proverbs, chapter 9. And here's an interesting verse. Verse 9 of Proverbs 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Well, we're going to comment on this and more. Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we'll also get your Bible questions here in a moment. But, uh, Bert, when I read verse 9, it kind of reminds me of Luke 8.18. Uh, it says, um, Take heed how you hear. To him who has, more will be given. And that kind of reminds me, it says, uh, give instruction to a wise man, and he'll, he'll be all the wiser. Um, we grow in our knowledge of the Lord and of his revelation, don't we? We do, and, and sometimes those rebukes are tough. Let me just speak yeah. from uh, <laughs> uh, personal experience. I know because, uh, hey, Bert Harper, he's lived long enough to have looked and learned a lot because what I said uh, a look that I gave wasn't as good as it should have been, wasn't as clear, and, uh, you know, was not, I would say, you know, with filled with some ambiguity. And so, Alex, um, those rebukes, if, if a person is wise and he takes them, it may be difficult at the beginning, but let it run through your brain enough, enough, and not get angry, not get mad, not trying to defend yourself, as we do many times, and it will help you. That's the whole idea. So if you're there and listening and someone comes up to you and uh, they admonish you, they rebuke you, uh, look at it uh, and see, because even God uses some unpleasantness in our lives to help us along the way, doesn't he? Well, he really does, and... Uh Listen, this could be another show for another day, so I'm not going to chase a rabbit here. But I want to say, especially to the men, if you're a Christian and you're married uh, and your wife is a believer, I mean, obviously the source of knowledge and truth is the Word of God. But men, please believe me when I say this, one of the ways that the Lord will speak to you is through your wife. Amen. So if you're wise... And, and I've, hey, I've done it both ways. I've been wise and I've been foolish. And I understand that very often the voice of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian man is through his wife. Am I right, Bert? You are exactly right. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word, but he also speaks, <laughs> let me say more clearly, to a married man especially. Let me just say a married man in the ministry especially, because yeah. to whom much is given, much is required, and yes. Alex, we've been gr- given the great privilege of teaching on the radio, the great oh, privilege of traveling and speaking, pastoring, 
Uh, what a privilege, but what a responsibility. And I can say this, Bert Harper needs all the help he can get. <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, the Lord is so good. We, we give God the glory. And, uh, you know, it says, teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Now, when we think of justice, maybe we think of the law and uh, a, a good law and a law that's upheld. But do you know what? We're called to be just persons. Now, positionally, when you get saved, you put your faith in Jesus, you're declared righteous and you're saved. But do you know in our, in our actions, our life, the things that we prioritize, the way we treat other people, the way we... Uh, uh, serve in church, and I do hope you're part of a church, but we are called to be just persons. And you could be born again, but be living unjustly. We're not supposed to do that, are we? We are not. Let me just say, I think justice and wisdom, I won't say they run parallel, but they are connected. Mm-hmm. Wisdom, true wisdom, taking it from God, practicing it, will develop you into a just man. You catch what I'm saying? Now, you can have knowledge and everything and go, but getting wisdom, it it prepares you to be just, looking at things, wanting to do that which is right, that which Mm -hmm. is correct, and looking at it, and it will increase. I I think the reason it increases, Alex, and you can see if you agree with it, uh, it gives us the experience. In other words, when we have been brought with an issue that we need to decide on our own, okay, do I do this or do I not do this? Do I give this direction? Do I take this advice? And when we turn it over to the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, through counsel, uh, guess what? The next time something like that comes up, it has prepared us to have a little bit more discretion, I, I would think so, you know? Well, I, I know everybody's familiar with the concept of uh, compound interest, right? Right. In the bank or, or you know, compounding. But w- it works not just for money but for wisdom, really. Good and the, the more you fill your heart and your soul with God's truth and the longer you walk with the Lord, it just um, it, it grows and grows. That's why, and I, I won't belabor this point, but Bert, um, I've been around a lot of older people, and they've been— tight with Jesus for decades. And our culture, you know, pushes back on aging. You know, people do almost silly things to try to pursue youth. But I want to tell you, for godly people, age and maturity is a beautiful thing. Not only the the internal, intellectual, and spiritual maturity, but I've been around people that... Uh, were very, very old in terms of years, but they were very um, beautiful in terms of how long they had walked with the Lord, they had internalized His Word, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the Bible calls this wisdom. Now, verse 10 is a reiteration of something from chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's in chapter 1, and it gets restated here. And Here's A.W. Tozer's book title, The Knowledge of the Holy is Understanding. Now, and the word Lord is in all caps, that's Yahweh, that's Almighty God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge, and what's interesting here, the word understanding is 
It means to know, to understand, to comprehend. But in the Hebrew, it really means um, premeditation. Now, what does that mean? It means, look, I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do whatever the Bible says do. Obedience. You know? Obedience. Is there anything <laughs> yeah. that, place, that replaces obedience? No. Uh, no, okay, it's better than yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. And see, let, let me just say this, and I know we got to move on, but look, it doesn't matter what moral issue crops up. If we know God and his word, we already know where we're going to stand. And the great moral issues of our day, there are certain churches, denominations, leaders, educators, elected officials, and they they got to figure out where they're going to land on an issue. It's very liberating when you're a Christian. It says the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And the word understanding means premeditation. Look, I don't care what tomorrow throws at me. I know that I'm going to land where God's word stands on an issue. Amen. That sounds like Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart before the time came of testing. So what you want to do is purpose, and that's the premeditated part. Same thought here. Purpose in your heart that you're going to obey God rather than man. Purpose in your heart that you're going to go the ways of God. Purpose in your heart that you're going to do the will of God as it is revealed to you as you journey in this life. With that in mind, guess what's going to happen? For by me, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. Listen, it's a full life. Uh, Alex, let me see. I'm giving you an alternative and you can play with it if you want to. You'd rather have a full life, that uh, a short life that is full or a long life that is empty. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I'm not trying to cop out here. I want to be a life that God determines and God defines with my ways pleasing to him. Amen. I I played that, and I said you'd get it. I want to have a long life that is full. That's what I prefer. I I want my long life. I don't want it to be either or. I want it to be both and, full and long. And here it is, with wisdom, you get the fullness of life, and with wisdom, you get the possibility of a long life because you're making decisions, as you said, other character and determines destiny or decisions determine destiny, you know. And mm-hmm. here we find out it really makes a difference. And so be wise, not in your own eyes, but be wise in the eyes of God. Follow him. Verse 12 really talks about personal responsibility. If you're wise, you shall be wise for thyself. But if you are a scorner, you will bear it alone. Listen, if you're going to grow in wisdom, you've got to own it and do it. If you're a foolish, scornful, disobedient person, that's going to be on your shoulders. You'll pay the price. Now it goes on, and verse 13 says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. Now, hey, we heard clamorous, loud, argumentative, hair-trigger temper, and Look, I'm keenly aware that this is not politically correct. And they would say, oh, that's, you know, why are you singling out a woman here? Well, the Word of God, it steps on all toes, male and female, doesn't it? And we all do it. Sooner or later, we all need our toes stepped on, don't we, Bert? We do. We do. And here it is. It's talking about that. And again, the woman, uh, the adulterous woman, is, is, you know, acquainted with foolishness. And those that would go unto her is foolish. 
don't play the part of the fool, either from a male or female. Do not let that be a part. But if you give up on wisdom, notice what this does. It starts out inviting the simple to come to the table, the banquet table for wisdom. When you refuse, here's the possibility. You move from the simple to the foolish, and then you move from the foolish to the scorner, or it could be scoffer. Those are the parallel words. But it's a, it's like it is in the book of Romans, chapter 1. God gave them over to this mind, to a natural, and God gave them over to natural affections. God gave them over to a reprobate mind where they weren't even able to hold God in their conscience. So here you find out the, the downward spiral, simple. It means that you are, are, are just not listening. Uh, you're, you're too uh, focused on yourself. You go to foolishness to believe the things of the world, and then you go to the scoffer and the scorner of not only believing it, but promoting it, promoting it, and, and carrying it out. So, Alex, the warning, I think, is here in Chapter 9 about you better come to the banquet table. You better come to him. You better come to Christ because it's going to get worse on you as you go down this spiral of wickedness. Well, you know, sometimes people ask us, how do you really know that the Bible is the Word of God? There are a lot of reasons. But I want to tell you, verse 17 and 18 are profound. I mean, one of the reasons I know the Bible is the Word of God is because of the truth it tells and the way it tells it. It goes on, it's talking about the immoral woman. She sits in places to be seen and heard, calling out to passengers who are passing by. And she's basically propositioning men here, right? That's right. And it says if if you turn in there, you're simple. But now listen to what the the immoral woman is offering, verse 17 and 18. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knows not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, stolen and secret. This is something illegal and illicit, you know? Uh, Let me say this. Um, I have heard stories of men that were, like, away on a business trip, and maybe they went somewhere, uh, like a bar or a strip club, or they did something, and I'm out of town, who's going to know? And yet it comes out. Look, those stolen waters aren't sweet. They can be very bitter. The bread e- eaten in secret is not pleasant, but it can act, it's not a delicacy, but it's deadly. And Bert, I got to tell you, uh, the Bible says truth, but the way that uh, 17 and 18 read are so powerful. And frankly, uh, they ought to put the fear of God in people. But this is just unbelievably powerful the way that God's Word is structured here, isn't it? It does. In two verses, 17 and 18, it provides for you a lot of the chapter in chapter 6 and chapter 7 concerning the wayward woman, the harlot, about going into her perfumed bed. And you can read that in chapter 7, that, you know, it's enticing. It looks good. But at the end, it's like a slaughter. It's like being in stocks. And so you don't want to go there so I think chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, it says that her guests are in the depths of hell. Listen, mm. it's not just My goodness. not just disaster here. 
but it's disaster there because when you partake of this foolishness, when you partake of this not being wise with your body, not being wise with your eyes, not being wise with your words, it's a downward spiral, and here you lose a lot of judgment because you remember what we talked about earlier? The just man, the just man, when you learn to make great decisions based on the wisdom and the word of God, your life, according to what it says, will be full. It will be multiplied. But making those foolish decisions, going into the wayward woman, going to, and believing folly, it downward, the, it knows the dead are there and the guests are in the depths of hell. That is, that you sense? are exactly right, Alex. It's a picture of destruction, isn't it? Well, it really is. And let me say, there are some decisions that God, God can forgive you but decisions can't be undone. Be very, very careful and judicious about how you live your life. And if you need forgiveness and restoration, Christ will forgive. Turn to him right now. And when we come back, we're going to uh, take calls on Exploring the Word. Stay with us. We're going to be right back after this. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch, last week... No more tolerance for abusive actions by monopolies. But is it really just another power grab by the federal government? Parents are not happy with classroom indoctrination and the radical policies they're pushing. Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Did you know the abortion pill accounts for over 50% of all abortions? Preborn Ministry continues to stand with women in crisis in their darkest hour and bring hope and life. After Marissa took the abortion pill, she immediately regretted it, but Preborn was there for her. Look at that baby. Look how beautiful he is. Look at that. Abortion pill reversal actually works. Let's hear his heartbeat. Oh, look how strong it is. Oh, praise God. By God's amazing grace, this baby was saved, but many more need our help. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. I will represent the American Family Association this Wednesday at the Museum of the Bible during the National Gathering of Prayer and Repentance, where I will join Tony Perkins, Ann Graham Lotz, Pastor Jim Garlow, Congressman Mike Johnson, and many other pastors and ministry leaders and elected officials as we cry out to the Lord in repentance for our nation. Repentance is our most desperate national need. You can watch the prayer meeting Wednesday morning 
February 1st at 7.30 a.m. Central at PrayDC.org. That's PrayDC.org. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Amen. Hey, we forgot to give that number, but most of you know it already if you listen regularly. And that number that you can call to ask a question, and our lines are open. We have no one in the bank ready to go to. So it's 888-589-8840. Who will be the first? 888-589-8840. We love to answer your questions. Alex, I've got a question for you. Okay. Uh, this came in from a listener, and they've been uh, watching Chosen, and there is a Tamar in the New Testament. And the question was, is there really a ta- – they know a Tamar in the Old Testament. Is there a Tamar in the New Testament that you can think of? Um, let me think here. Um, you know what? i got to say I don't remember a I, New Testament Tamar. I could not either. Matter of fact, I even got – got into my dictionary to look for Tamar, and I could right. not find it. And uh, so what they do, uh, some of the people, what they do on Chosen is take a, a name and give it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Give, give Chosen. Now, they, they don't need to misuse the Word of God, but you got to have to make a movie to make these programs. you got to have some literary uh, advi- you know, devices to do yeah. that, and you've got to give a little bit of leeway, not for mistruth, but using names or using something else that that would carry the you know carry the characters. You know what? I'm not trying to yeah. give them a, a way out at all. I'm not doing that. But uh, you know, you okay? If you just you could read the scriptures and just act it out. But to make it a drama, there is a little bit of I would say uh, leniency there. Alex, would the, you say so too? Yeah, I mean, there, there's two. There's one in Genesis, and then there's another that was a daughter of King David, right? That's right. Those are the two that I found. But I don't recall a Tamar in the New Testament. But uh, if if I'm wrong on that, uh, feel free to straighten us out, listeners. But the, the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love, love to have your question on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Well, let me ask you another question. They're lining okay. up, and Robert's getting right. them on as soon as he can. Yeah. When it comes to versions of the Bible, and the, we get this quite often because we have new listeners. There's some good ones out there. Alex, give me maybe three that you would think, okay, man, studying the Word of God would be good. Do it quickly because we do have them lined up ready. Sure. Well, obviously the King James. I mean, the King James has been around, and I realize the Elizabethan English can be challenging, but uh, let's say two or three Bible versions apart from the King James. All right, Tyndale Publishers, very reputable, put out the NLT, the New Living Translation. Now, the Living Bible was a paraphrase, 
Uh, but it's the NLT is actually a translation, and that's the one Josh McDowell recommends, and we think Josh McDowell is very trustworthy. Then the Holman Christian Standard, HCSB, that... Um, Bert, did they change the name of that? Does my memory serve me, the HCSB? Um, I forget, but if you Google Yeah, they it, changed the name. They did. Holman, but it, they changed the name so it wouldn't have Holman in it. Yeah. Yeah, and then... <laughs> I, I'm kind of old school, but this isn't really old school. But the New King James, the you know, don't say N, that's old school. That's me. <laughs> well, and, well, I know it came out. I think like 1982. Yeah. Let me say one. Um, there are Bible versions to be careful of, and one the T NIV. I know there was the NIV that came out about 1978, New International Version, which actually isn't bad. But then, about 15 years ago, they did one that was a little bit politically correct called the T, the letter T as in Tom, T-N-I-V. Um, I've, I've moved away from that, and, and I don't recommend that one, Bert. I agree with you fully. And uh, let's, let me say, the reason I switched to New King James, I'm old enough to have been around that the King James was basically what all preachers used, you know? And uh, so I memorized all my scriptures in that way. And I would be in a conflict when I would be reading the NIV or when I'd read even the New American Standard that I love. And it's very, it's, it's, it's good too. Uh, I, I would have a battle in my mind to use what King James says or what it says. And so yeah. the new King, King James came out and it doesn't battle me. So we got people ready to go. Brent says, go to the board, quit talking. And we're going uh, to do that. That's our producer giving us direction. How do you like that? Let's well, go. We need it. Yeah, we do. Let's go to Tennessee. BJ, welcome. BJ asked in Jeremiah 1 about hanging of the tree in Christmas. What's your thoughts? We hear that quite a bit. Uh, we do. We do. And I, I really don't think that's referring to Christmas trees as we know it, because Christmas trees as we know it came about really by Martin Luther, the great uh, reformer in 1517. And they have this idea, the evergreen tree, to symbolize uh, everlasting life. And uh, Luther and the Reformers put candles on the tree because Jesus is the light of the world. And I'm just going to say this, Bert, I don't have one problem with Christmas decorations that, that remind us of Jesus and the manger. Um, you know, Jeremiah says, the customs of a people are vain. And the way the King James renders Jeremiah, it sounds like uh, it's talking about Christmas trees, but that that really wasn't a prohibition against Christmas decorations at all, honestly. It wasn't. Okay, BJ, I'm sorry we didn't get you on the radio, but we tried to answer your question. Okay, Mike, Mike. are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hallelujah. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I have a, yeah, a question. I appreciate you guys taking my call. Uh, I've heard it said that uh, from a friend of mine that if you somebody wrongs you, uh, over and over, and you forgive them, like the Bible says, that you don't have to do anything, uh, you shouldn't have to deal with them anymore after that. Um, my kind of stance was, you know, we we sin against Jesus all the time, and he always comes back to us, so I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts on that. Okay. Alex, let me go, and I'm going to use a politician's answer. His name was President Ronald Reagan. Trust and verify. And, and uh -huh. I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be funny with that, but Yes, you forgive them, and you know, but I, I would say them. Jesus said forgive them 70 times 7, and you do. But I would say this, uh, is be wise in doing so. 
uh, you don't necessarily give them the key to the bank, do you? Oh, uh, amen. That's that's a, a wise statement. In Romans 16, verse 17, it's interesting. This is about those that are troublemakers in the church, but it says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learn and turn away from them. Bert, um, be very careful and prayerful about burning bridges. Now, you forgive people, but you don't have to necessarily put uh, yourself in a position to be um, harmed by them again. But, um, you know... Paul says, live at peace with all men as much as is possible. I think you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. Now, let me just say this. If it was a moral issue, uh, something immoral, or um, and I know, let me just say this, and this is somewhat a different subject, but perhaps related tangentially. When it comes to your children's ministry or your youth ministry, um, if someone is uh, a sexual offender, you cannot legally or morally let them be in a position to do something like that. Yeah. I, yes, we forgive, and yes, we try to act redemptively in the lives of people, but I think the gravity of the offense in many ways will determine how far at arm's length we put people. Bert, you said I'm You are to say. exactly right. Alex, you have helped a lot of people that struggle with what you just said. So thank you, man. Thank you for the question as well. Well, Shelly in Texas. Shelly, are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome. You're on Exploring the Word. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, go right ahead, Shelly. You're on. Hey, sorry about that. Love, love, love listening to you every day. I got a quick question. My family and I went to see Left Behind, the Risen Antichrist last night. And um, I know that a believer is that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And last night, uh, she digs up her grandmother, and the body's gone. And I'm just trying to put those two together is um, I I know that the first in the rapture to be risen will be the dead in Christ. But uh, the whole body thing, the body stays or the body goes, or is it just the spirit? And I remember Saul um, had went to a medium, if I'm not mistaken, the story goes that um, to get a hold of Samuel for advice, and he said, "Why did you wake me?" So I was just wondering how you guys put all those two together. I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you. Okay, Shelley, thank you for calling. Let me just share with you: uh, go to a funeral home, and it's a loved one or a friend, and the body is there, but they're not there. It's gone to whichever, hopefully to heaven, or you may, if they weren't saved, yes, into torment. So, Alex, we are waiting to receive a glorified body, aren't we? Yes, we really are. And, you know, Paul says it will be changed in the, the twinkling of an eye. And one day, as the Bible says, this mortal will put on immortality. And, uh, you know, earlier I used the phrase pictorial language. The Bible talks about the fact that uh, we have a treasure in earthen vessels. See, Adam was made from the dirt on the ground, and we are too. It's The human body has the same amount of elements as soil. But one day this earthen vessel, and the treasure in it is the Holy Spirit and the righteousness of Christ. But one day we're going to get a glorified new vessel, a glorified body in heaven. And uh, 
what the Bible says about all those prophecies, it is really true. Uh, Marianne in Texas. Marianne, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. My question was very much like Sally's, and my question about that was, so you're saying that even though to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord as long as you're saved, they're, they're already gone up, but their bodies are still here? Because that was my exact question and I just watched Left Behind also. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marianne. Yeah. Amen. Alex, go ahead. Do, well, don't have it, to add a lot, but go ahead. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, our spirit, the part that goes to be with Jesus, call it soul, spirit, but the non-physical part of us, will be in the presence of Christ and will put on a glorified body, but our corpse, you know, will be buried after after we die. Bert, um, I, I really think that the people that get raptured, you know, where Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, um, I, I think that, that we're gone completely at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. So, again, thank man, left behind. I, the, I, pr- and, I pray it does good. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Lynn in Arkansas. Lynn, welcome to Exploring the Word. Okay, hi. I hope I can talk fast. Anyway... Bottom line, I had a Bible study, and it turned out it was an older one I didn't realize. And when I saw it had a quote from the message, I'm, the message kind of turns me off. And um, But she was trying to make a point. In the, uh, the verse, and it was Psalm, um, hold on a second, 19, 7 through 10, the message talks about, uh, you'll like it better than strawberries better than red ripe strawberries in the bible it says honey and i'm not stressing over uh the meaning of those well i guess i am i'm saying how do they come up with this stuff in paraphrases when they're not translations and it's a whole different word it is Mm. they're they're trying to come up with uh, let me say this i know it's negative they kind of come up with something different that hadn't been used before alex Mm. Uh, we've got a lot of English translations, and I want to say this for Bert Harper. I wish they would spend their money on translations into languages that they haven't got it readily as we do. Go ahead. Well, in Psalm 19.10, it says, you know, the statutes of the Lord, the word of the Lord, is more to be desired than, than gold, and it's sweeter than honey and honeycomb. And in the Hebrew, guess what those words really mean? It means honey, <laughs> honey and honeycomb. Yeah, you know. So, uh, and I'm just going to tell you, and I'm with you, Bert. A lot of publishers they publish Bibles so they can make money licensing printers. And they get a fee, so a printer prints it and has to pay a fee to the publishing company. Um, I'm going to say this: I don't think we need any new. English translations. Amen. I agree. We just don't. We don't. Alex, I'm going to read Deborah. Deborah, we'd love to get to you, but I'm going to cremation. What's the biblical view? Alex, give a 30 second response to that if you can to help Deborah. The Bible doesn't specify mode of burial. It really doesn't. Now, I know traditionally it's been interment in the ground facing east, uh, you know, but I, I really think that's a personal Christian liberty decision. It, it really is, and a lot today is financial. A lot of people that I am connected with that love the Lord, love His Word, they're saying, I'm making a financial decision because I don't want that money to go into the ground. 
Now that's, mm. but it's up to you. It's freedom in that. I think there's some choices of freedom there, right? I do too. I do too. Folks, thanks for listening to this Monday edition of Exploring the Word. Read ahead to Proverbs 10 if you want to, because that's where we'll be tomorrow. May God bless you. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.